0: The uh, pianist plays the piano, the cellist plays the cello, the violinist plays the violin, but the orchestrator plays the orchestra. So, it's kind of like that. Like, you need to be the one to play the orchestra.
1: When I asked Ishan, who works at a prominent e-learning startup, about what being a middle manager feels like, this is what he had to say, which is similar to what Steve Jobs had allegedly said to Steve Wozniak. Recently, however, Four members of his seven-member orchestra were asked to leave the stage. They were laid off. But the music needed to be as loud as ever. As long as the work is getting done and they're getting banged for their buck, the ones who call the shots don't really care too much about the exact strength of teams. Or orchestra metaphors, for that matter. After the layoffs, Ishan, the orchestrator of his department, was quite obviously... Shell-shocked.
0: What did the senior management do to prevent this? Uh, Like, the senior management uh, clearly has compensations which are 20x, 30x of what we receive. And uh, if they had taken, like, even a minor pay cut, if they had taken even, like, a marginal cut to their pay, it it could have saved
1: uh, probably... uh, 50 jobs, 100 jobs. Middle management has been in this constant tussle between the ones that they report to and the ones that report to them. That's common news. At this scale, it is the
0: first time that I've faced uh, so many people from my team uh, being forced out despite my sincerest efforts to keep them in. As middle management, we know for a fact that there's nothing really much in our control. So we just need to uh, lay the facts bear with them. We cannot uh, fake that, yeah, I I got your back. Because the last time we said I got your back, we really couldn't do anything.
1: What isn't common, though, is the year that we're in. 2022 has been a year where although the short-term effects of the pandemic might be waning off, the long-term effects are just starting to be seen. Managers are juggling between being sharp communicators but creative storytellers, Having a team-first approach, but a business-first mindset. Keeping the interest of the bosses in their mind, but empathizing with their reportees in their hearts. And now, with so many changes happening in the economy and the workplace, how are they really doing? Have organizations been ignorant of their needs and wants? Also, do we really need middle managers in the first place? All these questions just go to show that middle management is silently cracking can we really make it better? In this episode, we'll speak to four middle managers who'll tell us, no holes barred, about what it feels like to be stretched from both ends in an organization. It's been an unforgiving year that has inflicted mass layoffs due to the economic downturn. They'll talk to us about their struggles, their strife, their confusion, and hopefully some solutions too. Welcome to cost of company a podcast about careers and workplaces by The Ken. We tell you how your workplace is changing before you hear it on Slack. I'm your host, Shriwar. Okay, so this is not the first time that middle management is coming under the fire. I mean, their function has been misunderstood for quite some time now. An HBR article said that we've seen them as unexceptional and mediocre supervisors for far too long now. That article was published by Abraham Zelzenik in 1977. It still applies. I agree with most of the points there. And... Soda Siddharth.
2: You know, you ask someone to do a job and they'll just do a job and that's the end of it. Uh, It goes beyond that. Uh, You need to be having a lot of uh, conversations with people.
1: Siddharth Billa is a product manager at Plum, where he works as the digital growth lead. He comes from a content background which requires high collaboration in the workplace.
2: Being a manager, there are so many relationships and there are so many stakeholders that you have to manage, right? Uh, I think... Uh, from my uh, experience, like that's the basic, that's the, uh, that's the most functional part of uh, being a manager is that you have to manage a lot of stakeholders and a lot of relationships.
1: That's right. Managing relationships. It makes sense, right? Being a manager isn't about managing work per se, or not just work, but managing people.
2: Again, you're dealing with people. You're not dealing with machines, right? And it's not just that they're paid for work. Uh, they... They have a life, uh, they have a life beyond work.
1: Even though middle management as a function has roots in the industrial revolution, where middle managers were the smooth operators made for man and machine to come together to increase means of production and obviously reduce the workload from the owners. Things get slightly complicated in the world of the knowledge economy. We'll actually dive into this slightly later with another guest. But for now, it's important to realize that relationships are a key part of a middle manager's job. You might say, well, isn't managing relationships a part of everybody's job? Yeah, you're right. But what makes this relationship different is that it flows both ways. There's upstream communication, which flows from your subordinates to you, and downstream communication, which flows from your managers to you. And that's the thing about relationships and streams. It might seem like fun, but you can be certain that there will be a few boulders along the way.
2: Otherwise, uh, after a point, uh, it's just frustrations which would kick in because you're not able to justify what you're doing to the leaders as well. So that kind of stalls your growth. Plus, you're not able to, you know, let's say even uh, keep your team happy or, you know, the best performing members of your team happy. Uh, so you're kind of stuck in the middle, uh, just trying to figure out, you know, where do I go next?
1: Middle managers have to play the balancing act in an organization. Lose your balance and there's a good chance you'll have a fallout with either the ones above you or the ones below. Siddharth from Plum tells us that it's been rewarding but difficult. And something happened a couple of years ago that made matters worse.
3: Global hot zones, the coronavirus spreading. Fears grow of a global pandemic. We have a new name for the coronavirus. The World Health Organization has officially called it COVID-19.
1: Teams went online and organizational structures went for a toss. What use is the ladder of hierarchy when the entire world is on a Zoom screen? All of this did have some implications.
0: As mid-management out here, <laughs> I uh, I don't know, it, it puts me in kind of a fix. Like, because the channels are so open, you uh, rather than uh, trying to say that, you know, my channel is more open than the other channels, you would uh, try to put things in uh, context for your team, for the people who are working with you, under you. Yeah. You would try to put it in context that, uh, you know, uh, although channels are open, but uh, the first uh, line of defense yeah. for you guys is always
1: uh, going to be us. Ishan, for one, said that when the open office culture moved online, it was a bit of a confusing situation for the middle managers. Why should
4: the juniors speak to the ones in the middle? When you can just slack the founder CEO. So obviously, you know, there are some confrontations that you have that, that take place. And it, it is good to have a team or senior management that, you know, supports that view. Then
1: there's money. Money currently works as a data scientist and previously has worked in companies like
4: Milliman and Snapdeal. So, so because you have to save people and you have to work for them, make sure that, you know, they are not. So they are already struggling a lot. You don't have to, you know, um, bring more more pressure on, yeah. on, on, on them. What he's saying is that while 2020 and the
1: years since were difficult, you were almost forced to build the muscle for empathy. You know that saying, right? Ships are calm at the shore, but then again, that's not what they're made for.
4: Because what used to happen was, you know, there are a lot of uh, people who, have, you know, maybe good managers uh, pre-COVID, but uh, they actually realized that, you know, they cannot really, uh, you know, uh, stay without, you know, looking at people, what they're doing and if they're not, uh, you know, wasting their time. And that is why you saw a lot of policies coming up where you had to work with your cams on and all of that because, because of lack of trust. And then when they were in office, it was easy to trust people. But, uh, you know, uh, that trust part uh, came in as soon as COVID uh, kicked in because you had to trust people with what they're doing, how they're using their time and actually uh, treat so something that my manager called it as uh, treating them as adults uh, because they, they have already uh, they're in an age where they want to succeed.
1: The bar of being a good manager has changed since the pandemic. Doing the bare minimum was seen as being not good enough. In fact, a global survey of three thousand remote workers by Future Forum found that middle managers are forty-six percent less satisfied with their jobs than senior executives, and they have struggled more than twice as much as executives when it comes to maintaining a sense of belonging.
4: So, so I think um, to stay on top of that, uh, middle managers had to make a lot of effort to, you know, uh, uh, you know, basically. Uh, schedule some time rather than uh, waiting for people to come to you. So I think it made it difficult, uh, but I think this is more sustainable because, uh, you know, people actually uh, got to be more confident, uh, got a lot more trust. And if you give it, uh, do it the right way, they're going to uh, basically uh, love the organization, love the team.
1: Sure, being a manager in the pandemic did have some positive second order effects where you had to almost compulsorily build that muscle for empathy. And most managers are breaking the skills that they learned in the online world to the offline world. But it's an uphill battle. Tight deadlines, scheduling one-on-one calls on clunky video calling apps, empathising with employees, and recently dealing with layoffs. Middle management has been dealing with a lot of issues that have just added fuel to the hierarchical fire.
2: I think in the last two years, um, retention of... uh employees has been uh, a key thing which every organization has been leading in, largely because of the kind of problems uh, that we talked about. There were layoffs, there were pay cuts, there was a lot of uncertainty. Even personally, people were suffering a lot.
1: Siddharth adds that the last two years made middle managers feel like the bearers of bad news. While the top management would probably do an all hands and let the entire team know about their decisions, It's the middle management that had to be on the front lines. Going through the motions with their teams. Convincing the ones that didn't get axed to not lose hope. It's definitely a precarious situation. Here's Ishan again. The person from the orchestra metaphor you heard at the beginning of the episode, whose team members were laid off. As a person who's on
0: the other side of the table, going through... uh, a layoff in my team not being able to protect the people that I promised I would take the bullet for earlier as I was mentioning. Uh, that that literally breaks my heart not only on a professional level but also on a personal level because after a point you do bond with your team and uh, like you, you can't help but uh, feel for it.
1: I can and see the tears forming up in Ishan's eyes as he says this, sitting opposite me His voice starts to quiver and I can only imagine what being in a situation like this must have been like. After the incident, Ishan was considering pivoting from his current job due to the high levels of stress and tension that he had to go through. But wait, if it's such a nightmare being a middle manager, do we even need them in the first place?
5: Uh, So I write uh, on the future of work for the past I think three odd years and I, I, I really enjoy it. I, I have a lot of fun doing this.
1: That's Nisha. She works in the content and community space and has a brilliant newsletter called Future of Work, which, as you may have guessed, talks about the future of work.
5: I feel like the concept or, you know, this whole function needs rebranding. If at all, it has to continue. Uh, it cannot, you cannot call somebody a manager in today's world. What are you managing, really? Why do I, as a knowledge worker, need somebody to manage me? Am I not an adult? Like, you know, can I not manage myself? Uh, You know, what I possibly need is people who can mentor me, you know, who can open up my way of thinking.
1: Now here's something interesting about corporate life, especially in India. If you do well in a job, the nature of appreciation for good work is to ultimately get a promotion. Now, what this promotion entails is a salary hike, maybe. But what it almost certainly comes with is the added responsibility of managing people. You're rewarded for your core skills, but you're required for your people management skills, which are almost always two completely different things. The managerial aspect is how you justify your increased salary. I mean, no wonder the concept of the individual contributor hasn't really taken off in the country.
5: Uh, Maybe somebody should sit you down and say, hey, would you actually get paid for being that same individual contributor and doing what you really love? Or do do you enjoy working a lot with people and do you want to, you know, to hold people together?
1: So while the work that you signed up for might not be on your plate, you get to manage a lot of people. But do you really want that? How do you know if you want it? Yeah, imagine this. If you were promoted in your organization, would you be okay with doing more of what you currently do? Or would you like working with more people? See, that question almost always left unanswered is at the crux of what being a manager is. One of the biggest reasons why this function is cracking is because the ground it's based on is kind of flimsy. Remote work just adds to the cracks.
5: When you're working remotely, trust... Dwindles loyalty, dwindles. It's these factors that you know. Also, culture. You don't even understand what the organization's culture is.
1: The culture of an organization is on tenterhooks with the lack of a physical space. Employees can feel demotivated and directionless quite easily. I know this because it happened to me in my last role. Nisha told me about an interesting concept called a remote work officer. They'll be upholders of an organization's culture. And make sure that the work is flowing smoothly, remotely. And who will these remote work officers be?
5: There there are two ways to look at it. You can either make them specialists. So so they can be, you know, um, somebody who leads a particular function for you. Okay. And uh, if they are working with other engineers or other developers, they, they need to have their specialization. But they also need to understand branding, HR, culture a little better you know they can't just be transactional people
1: nisha believes that empowering managers with these tools will help them become leaders and not just supervisors but she's not done yet along with this she also goes on to mention peer circles where managers from different departments can meet once a month to discuss their wins and failures and learnings and hopefully be inspired by each other and honestly just feel less isolated and lastly she hopes that managers go through continuous orientation because it's almost like a new job altogether which could take some time getting used to
5: i've noticed that orientation remains to be something that you do when you when someone joins but say they are a month old you forget that they continuously need that orientation you know
1: through this episode we saw how the middle child of the organization the middle management gets ignored Burnt out and frankly just misunderstood. The solutions that Nisha proposed might take some time to implement, but it at least makes us cognizant of the fact that middle managers are in fact human. The middle managers that you heard in the episode spoke about how empathy is important, and honestly, that's something we can practice with them too. The next time you find a middle manager stuck in the crossfire or giving bad directions, You can ask them about the problems they're facing, how you can help them reduce their workload, or just whether or not they think Meghna Biryani is overrated. I think more than anything else, we should all realize that just like the rest of us, middle managers are trying their best to do their job.
3: This was a podcast from The Ken. This episode of Cost to Company was written, hosted, and produced by Shrivar Chotaria, with audio engineering by Rajiv CN. If you have thoughts, feelings, or episode ideas, write to us at podcasts at the rate of the-ken.com. If you liked the podcast and want to know more, follow the Ken web on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I'm Sneha Vakharia, host of next week's episode of Cost to Company. It is in the interest of every business to know the good employees from the bad employees and the very, very good employees from the good employees. But still, that's not how things pan out. Most of our appraisal cycles are shoddily executed, rushed, thoughtless, and a lot of our good work goes unseen. So how are employees fighting this? How are the really, really good employees making sure they are seen? How are we documenting our wins at the workplace? And the bigger question still, on the appraisal table, what counts as a win? You'll hear from us next week.